From 1965, the Solomon Islands Legislative Council had elected members and policies were controlled by committees of elected MPs. One of those was Solomon Mamaloni, born in 1943 and died in 2000. Educated in Solomon Islands and New Zealand, he was elected MP for Makira and would later become Chief Minister from 1974 to 1976 and Prime Minister for three terms, 1981 to 84, 89 to 93 and 94 to 97. In an interview that we recorded in 1995, he told me about his first career as a public servant and why he moved into politics. I moved because apparently the British were giving me a hard time. You see, normally a public officer would uh, enter the service probation for two years, get confirmed. I've never been confirmed for five years. So you were always a bit of a troublemaker to them, were you? Uh, to them, yes, because uh, one time my another uncle, great administrator, Sala Sitai, you will remember, I'm sure, his son is now a minister in the government. He, I, I, <clears throat> I grew up in the administration under the shadow of Sala Sitai and Safred Osfellow. And one time I, I did something wrong, and uh, 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 Silas Ite said to me, you know, my son, the best administrator is the one who gets very unpopular. If you are very popular, you are not a, you are not a good administrator. I think that really sum up my problem because uh, I was sort of um, a young officer placed in the field going around villages on Godal Canal, Russells and Sabo uh, to check on, you know, everyday uh, life of people, uh, meeting headmen in those days and reporting back to the boss. Part uh, of the colonial system? Yes, and every time I wrote uh, very long reports which were rather very sympathetic and sentimental. You know, I couldn't bear this, you know, medical department have never been to this place. So I think from that time, they have already concluded that I was not a good administrator. Eventually, they, I took over Clark to the legislature from uh, Mr. Cochrane from England. But uh, <clears> at <throat> the time, the secretary was not well equipped. We had one stenciling um, uh, uh, machine. I think that was the end of uh, that was the boy, the 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 real boiling point in my career as an administrator. We had uh, as a clerk to the legislature. I had the priority, according to the chief secretary, for the machine. Now the financial secretary's secretary, who was a South African, a lady South African. I went there in the morning and started producing papers for legislature. She came off, came to me, and said, who told you to do this? I said, that's my orders. So she pulled all my papers out. And so, and I saw at her. <laughs> so I, I, I was taken up to the boss, and, uh, you know, he dressed me up, 
dress me down. I say, you know, you are a very young officer, and you should not be doing this. You, you, you have big potential. We are going to send you to England to, to Westminster to get a full um, course on the clerk to Parliament. And we are never settled. So, <clears throat> my boss, the head of Protected Affairs Branch, uh, seemed to uh, seemed to to hear about this little incident. So, as I was um, going down the ladder in the same building, he was coming up and. Um, he said to me, Good morning, Solomon. So I called him by the same name. I said, Good morning, Douglas. Now, that was very bad. You cannot call your officers by the first name. Now, this one was really bad. He took me into his room and he said to me, You cannot call me by my first name. I'm your boss. I've served Her Majesty's government over 24 years. I am 45 and you must address me as sir. At that time, we, we were getting young, young officers from Scotland and England, you know, young admin officers to fill in spaces which weren't needed. Yeah? There was one, this, one of these crazy Scottish officers named McEwen. He, he was uh, sort of above me, number three, I think. So he saw me crying. What happened? So that fellow wants me to call him sir. So this fellow from Scotland challenged me. He said, if you're from Makira, <clears throat> this afternoon when you meet him, he said the same thing. You, uh, you know, say what you want, yeah? Because this fellow, when he walks, he wobbles a bit, uh, Douglas Freegard. So in the afternoon, I was waiting for him. So when he came up and he said, good afternoon, Solomon. So I said to him, good afternoon, penguin. <laughs> so I, I, I got reprimanded very severely. My wages was cut. My confirmation was uh, extended. And that is when I started getting hard time. Yeah. Were, was this because because what? You were fed up of white, no, your, or, or, or you had this African influence? Or I, I grew up to advance for, my, for, for the system. Because we were all working in the same office, okay? He was my boss, yeah? Like, John is now the director of information. I may be, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, uh, etiquette, yeah? So, he's a senior officer. But, uh, I see nothing wrong in calling him by his first name and for him calling me by my first name. You know, I felt we were working colleagues. And uh, I felt at that time that I was in the office long enough, doing more important work enough. They were giving me bigger responsibilities to the extent that I said, okay, we're, we're a fair and square, we are both uh, important. Uh, I never had this uh, anti-feeling at that time. Uh, because uh, this anti-colonial feeling is something which uh, probably I got from university students more than, you know, creating it myself. You see, but that in those incidents uh, left, left a lasting chapters in my career 
as administrators. I always recall them and, you know, make fun of them every time we have a functional party, you know. Uh, so would it be fair to say that you felt no antagonism to the colonial system? I mean, you were part of it, but it, some of the individuals in it perhaps weren't as... It wasn't the system you wanted to get rid of. Would you have been happy for it to have remained the British Solomon Islands protectorate? Uh, if, <clears throat> if it had remained longer as a British Solomon Islands protectorate, maybe uh, uh, it, it may have been better, it may have not been any difference anywhere. Uh, but, you know, as I said, you you flow with the current, so to speak. And uh, this anti-colonial feeling was very vocal amongst university students, you know, both postgraduates and undergraduates. And every time they come back home, they have uh, this, they, they, they organize forums, public forums or seminars. And that's all they talk about. So we all join in a wagon, you know, without much thought. And uh, <clears throat> did, did you want to do that? Did you want to go to university as well, or were you happy to stay where you were? I was happy where I was. I thought college education was sufficient for me. Yeah. I started at King George. I, I opted to take history, geography, and then English language and um, literature yeah. and uh, mathematics. So when I went to New Zealand, I brought in the, uh, the studies to colonial history. And where, where were you studying in music college in Hastings? Uh, that time... Uh, was that your choice or were you sent there? I was a government, government scholarship. Uh, that time we had to we had to finish uh, Form 6 in New Zealand. We had to go to New Zealand to go to Form, form 6 because uh, here we only went up to Form 4. Uh, I think the most influencing factor in my uh, studies was a teacher called John Ballantyne. He was uh, he was um, he was a literature teacher, and literature combined with uh, world events, you know, like colonial history, for example, fits in very well. And uh, for me, it was it was the only study I was so interested in. Like when you compare drama with uh, colonial conflicts between the, uh, you know, the royal uh, government and the New World, like for example, the Boston Tea Party, yeah, the the French and the English conflicts in Canada, you know, people like Lord Delaware, you know, the, the role they play, it, it's so. It stand out as people who are shaping, you know, the governments of the world. And then come to Lord Don of Moore. You talk about Black Hole of Calcutta. And this is where I met up with Gandhi, who remains my uh, protege in my political. I was going to ask you that. So out of the library, I got this book. In fact, I, I, I read it and I, I was so absorbed with it. I even stole it, even to the Solomon Islands after I left school. This is a book on, on colonial history? No, on, on uh, Mahamata Gandhi. Ah, yes. Yeah, his, his, uh, his life. And uh, <clears throat> all my, my colonial history, and uh, uh, this involved, you know, the 
study of cross-sections of how British system was transplanted in the Commonwealth, like in Australia, Canada, everywhere. So it gives you that broad-based understanding of uh, constitutional changes, you know, authorities uh, and the government and all that. What was it like with the British then? Did you have difficulties in negotiating the kind of constitution that would serve an independent Solomon? I mean, I gather there were, there were problems about uh, land ownership. Uh, I think one of the uh, most unfortunate things that happened was that uh, I did not uh, stay in politics to see the whole thing all the way even uh, to the uh, independent talks and negotiations. Because uh, even <clears throat> when I was uh, playing around with the idea of having self-government independence, I already compiled some uh, notes which I thought were saleable to England. Now, after I became a chief minister, uh, I, when uh, the Assistant Minister for State, I think, came down here, Miss John Lester. Uh, we then initiated uh, constitutional discussions on a timetable for Solomon Islands. And she almost, uh, you know, fell over. That early? I said, yes, this early. I think we can make it. Uh, I had two things on mind then. Uh, first of all, the worst thing I would like to see is for Solomon Islands to fight for its independence. I think that was a uh, one of my uh, <clears throat> uh, misconceptions at that time because, as I said, we were dominated by African affairs, you know, uh, people fighting for their independence. And I thought. Uh, Solomon Islands being what it was during colonial times because of its uh, diversity, cultural diversities, and of course during the colonial era there would seem to be people who were seen as pro-colonial and those who were anti-colonial because of the marching rule thing. It was the earlier movement, yes. yes yeah. uh, those things lived on and uh, we in the eastern part of Solomon, like Malaita, where John Carver and I See Western people as very pro-colonial people. We call them yes people. You know? Because they weren't yeah. as willing to fight. But there was also, was there not, a, a threat, a suggestion, a movement that the Western people might secede from the newly independent Solomons? Did you have to? Yeah. That was during our time. Yeah. And, uh, How did you handle that? What, Why did it happen? <clears throat> what happened was that their main bone, their main grievances was that they were not getting. Uh, enough returns from their resources. Uh, this was, in, uh, coincidentally, this was a university graduate movement headed by Warren Pyre. So <clears throat> what we did, we, uh, we told the Minister of Finance and Natural Resources, okay, calculate all the exports we have uh, made during the past three years and see how much came from the western province, how much came from Godokanana, all that. So we did uh, a, a quick arithmetic. <clears throat> and uh, I went down to the west specially 
to talk to them. And uh, when I went there, there was a big demonstration right at the wharf. So we sat down and I said... Where are we now? Giza or something? Giza, yes, yes, Giza. Yes. I said, I think uh, <coughs> the idea of secession uh, is not uh, very good. Uh, it will never work because when you go to the West, it's already a, uh, a, a cosmopolitan place. You have everybody there, Malaita people, Makira people. So if it is West for West only, you can forget that idea altogether because it will never work. And in, in any case, at <coughs> uh, that time we knew that there was no foreign influences or supporters with them. And did that kill it? Oh, yeah. the, 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 we, we give them better terms. I said, okay, we'll get a little bit more, more increase in your copra returns. So you bought them off, did you really? Not really. It was public funds. <laughs> it's just a matter of, you know, yeah. uh, fiddling with the uh, percentages. As the, and especially for timber, they were producing all the timber, I think, that time in the Western province. You, you, did you, I mean, did you look enviously at, at Bougainville? I, it's part of the Solomons in, in tradition. Did you think maybe we should make a, a request for the Solomon, North Solomons to be returned to us? Never. Never. But Bougainville, <coughs> Bougainville has always been a part of Papua New Guinea. And I think as it was, it was so good because uh, even our people at the border and even as far as here, you know, were thriving. Their business was thriving because of Bougainville copper mine. And uh, a lot of people in Malaita, they go and trade shell money. And out of the trade, they bring back money, build ships. So it was a very, it was a natural type of existence which no one should have interfered with, whether you have put in a uh, international line or, or the treaty. I think this sort of traditional movement between our people, because ethnically there is no doubt that Western people are tied to the Shortland Islands and vice versa, I mean the Bougainville people. And uh, I think when this thing blew up, it was the most difficult thing to handle in our case, especially in my government, where at that time the Minister for Prison Justice was a pharaoh from Shotland, who has relatives in uh, Bougainville, and the head of state who has land in South Buin. And then you have the Minister of Finance, whose uncle is from uh, Kieta. So, and then the others, like Minister for Provincial Government, it was the most awkward position a Prime Minister would find him in. And, you know, every time I said, if you want to shoot your mouth off about Bougainville, you do it as a MP, not as a minister of the government. You were chief minister. Yeah, we were chief and, minister. And then came the election which would take you into independence. Yes, that was, uh, it was uh, 1976. Yeah. Peter stood as a candidate and I also stood. I think only two of us. So Peter won and I lost. 